It's time for the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast presented by Sloan. I'm your host, Ryan Dempster, and today I'm joined by the new TV voice of your Chicago Cubs, John Boog Shambi. But first, I got to tell you about Sloan's no-touch hand-washing technology. It's state-of-the-art, second to none, and couldn't come at a better time. Truly in a league of their own. So we want to thank them for providing that technology to people out there so we can wash our hands and stay safe. Well, I've known Boog for a long time, that's right. For almost 25 years, when I first got to the big leagues in 1998, he was working for the Florida Marlins and he hasn't stopped since. He is really, really one of the best. We're lucky to have him on the north side replacing Len Casper. So without further ado, let's just get down to it and go off the mound with Boog Shambi. What's up, brother? You look, you look fabulous, man. And the New Year's treating you good. You look refreshed. I am refreshed. I'm excited. I'm, 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 I'm so fired up about uh, doing this job and just uh, all of it. And getting a chance to move to Chicago, everything. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. And, and dude, we talked about it. It's such a big move. I mean, you're, you're uprooting. You're leaving the East Coast where you've been your whole life and moving to Chicago. Um, why? Why, why the Chicago Cubs? What, what drew you there? I mean, I think as I've worked in baseball, my first year was 97. Um, I, I really got a sense right away of how special Chicago is as a city and how special it is as a baseball city and especially, you know, the north side. So I, I think that as someone that loved the sport so much, it spoke to me. And then I think that it's just it's a city that's got great character, great history, obviously, but it, it just it, it has always felt familiar to me. Um, and then the baseball part of it, I always love going and doing games in places that feel like everybody's ex- as excited as I am. And that's certainly Chicago. So um, it's really flattering as well. You know, there's a pretty, pretty great broadcast history you know, in that booth and I'm humbled that I get a chance to, you know, follow in the footsteps of guys like Len and, you know, Harry Carey and Jack Brickhouse. And you talk about Len. Len is obviously a dear friend, both you and I. Um, he moved on one another yeah. way and, and you get to, you know, come in and, and take over for him. Uh, any advice that he gave you or said any any little tidbits he gave you to, to help ease into that? I, I don't we haven't had that that conversation yet. I am going to have that conversation with him. I mean, I, I think this, right? Like I, I think my antenna is up for, I don't know everything. I probably done a hundred games at Wrigley field and I, you know, made tons of trips there year in and year out to Chicago. But even still, there are just things about being part of the community day in, day out that I don't know. And the best thing I can do is keep my antenna up to learn, be open, and just be willing to understand the things that I might not, might not know ahead of time. And I'm certainly going to lean on him before the season starts to try and put him back to when he first started and what some of those things might be. I'm curious. I've actually never even asked you this before. Um, was there ever a moment or a time when you were, you know, you called over 100 games at Wrigley where you were like, I can do this every day at this ballpark. So that's what I think the answer is no. And it's really? part of what made this really? process so 
No, I, I always viewed it through the prism of I was doing games with the Marlins, with the Braves, nationally. I think especially the fact that that job was taken by one of my closest friends. So I think I was probably blocked off from thinking about what it would be like to be him because it was his job. And then when it was presented to me, it was the first time that I really leaned into it. I know it's it sounds, I mean, as it comes out of my mouth, it almost sounds ridiculous. But the truth is, when it was presented to me, and then I just kind of sat with it and felt it and thought about it, yeah, then it washed over me. Wow, to be part of this organization, this community, and it's just unique. It just is. It's it's you know, for every kid that grew up in the 80s, for example, and you even in a market where you had access to baseball, you also had access to Cubs baseball. And that was me. I grew up in in born in Philly, grew up in New York City. We had two teams and I got Cubs baseball. And that was, you know, so there's to it. And when I really leaned into it and thought about just day in and day out, it was like, yes, yes. So I've had trouble. It's been I've told people it's corny, but I'm a great sleeper. I mean, with all due respect to you, like I could fall asleep right in the middle of this interview. Like you get if you like just laid out for like maybe a minute, I'd fall right asleep. I'm that good. But I've had some trouble sleeping lately because I've just been excited, dude. Just been excited. Straight up. Yeah. And I, I know that this city is going to embrace, you know, you I know you're from the East Coast, but you have this Midwest feel to you. You're so kind and gentle to everyone and uh, and, you know, always willing to give your time. So I, I know you're going to fit right in. Um, Going back, you know, I, I I think it's pretty, for me, it's pretty amazing. Like, for people who don't know this, my first year in the big leagues, you were working with the Marlins. And here yep. we are, you know, 25 years later, and we're sitting here um, talking about your, your, your new job as the play-by-play guy. Um, was that always a vision for you, you know, when you started way back then? By the way, you're good luck charm because you were down there for two World Series in Florida. So I, I figure that's eventually going to happen here again in Chicago. So was that always a, a vision for you to, to, come, to come back, uh, you know, to, to get to that point where you were calling for a team or calling nationally? Um, you really, you know, you worked your tail off to make, make your way through the ranks and get to where you are today. So I, I, I feel like I've always navigated, you know, my career in a way where I just try and be present in the thing that I'm doing and I'm not trying to map it out too much. I don't, I really wanted to do national stuff and I got that chance and I'm still going to get that chance. I'm grateful the Cubs and Marquee are going to let me do some postseason, you know, baseball, some radio, some college basketball. I can't say I was, at, you know, I, I make this distinction sincerely. I don't know that I was actively thinking about, I want to get back to a team. But getting back to doing the Cubs, you know, like it, the Cubs aren't just one of 30. You know, it's, they, they, the Cubs occupy a pretty special place when you're talking about getting a chance to be around it every day, the day games, and again, how much it, it matters. So I, I didn't have it mapped out in a way that I thought that this would end up being it. And now that I'm here, it feels like, yeah, this – this is it. This is the thing. This is the, you know, hopefully a job that I'll have for a long time. And the day games will be nice because then you can meet your bedtime. You were talking about you like to sleep, so you can get to bed nice and early, which will be which will be an extra bonus. <laughs> Holy cow. 
I'm that guy now. I'm like, I'm old. I got one of those aura rings and I had like a couple of stretches where during the pandemic, I got one of these aura rings that, that measures your sleep. And I'm like, champ, I'm talking like, you know, Barry Bonds on performance enhancing stuff type level. <laughs> and I, uh, I, as a sleeper and I, so every night, there, you know, I sleep and they give me a score and there's a crown and, you know, I'm an awesome sleeper. Um, but I got to a point a couple of times during the pandemic, where I was going to sleep so early. And then my schedule changed a little bit where, you know, at like 745, I, my ring is sending me a notification that says your bedtime is coming up very soon. And I'm like, it is. What are we talking about? <laughs> but then it's like, yeah, I'm the old guy now. So. You know, we'll go. I'll go have my tea or warm milk, and then shut it on down. We'll be fine. But you're gonna have to need all that rest and extra rest because when Sutcliffe comes through town, you know he's gonna want to oh walk you God. around and show you show you all the places he used to go to or still goes to. Yeah, very. Very. Where am I doing the wrong finger? Am I? I am wrong doing finger. the wrong finger, aren't I? But, yeah, for my yeah, Merlin Olson. There we go, Merlin Olson. Merlin Olson slash Stapleton. Right. That's right. Oh, yes. Sut will, the, the, you know, I mean, Sut, yeah, Sut, Sut's a lot, you know. The one thing is, as I tell Sut, like, he's a bully. Um, and I just kind of got to, you know, when I, get him, when I get him on the air, Dempy, that's when I kind of do the, you know, bat him around like a baby seal a little bit, because that's not really his element. Like, when you're talking like Clever Olympics, you know, he's like others receiving votes, you know, he's not, it's not going to be fast. So that's where, that's where, you know, I got to, I got to get him because he, you know, he's, he's big in Chicago. I'll never, ever, ever be that big in Chicago. Um, and he's a bully. I love him. I saw a clip of you two talking and you guys were telling actually a story about me. It was a baseball game against the Cardinals. Um, you were in the booth with Sut. And you were telling a story about Tim Buss, the former strength and conditioning coach, um, who was staying at my house during the offseason. And he he needed to find a hockey stick. I needed his hockey stick. And just a little background, because you went to school up that way. You're from the East Coast. The hockey stick was actually Tony Amante. And the story behind it was was that, yeah, he he had autographed it for me at the All-Star Game in, in Denver in 2001. I was doing a Q&A with Tony, so I still had it. I, I wanted to give it back to him during this interview. So I said, hey, Busty, can you find this? On national TV, you talk about this. You, you prefaced <laughs> it, by the way. With, I'm, not, I'm not really sure I should tell this story. But you yeah. talked about how he, he, he took a picture with the hockey stick. Um, did you ever see the picture? I never yeah, saw I, the picture. You, you never saw it. Never seen the picture. Well, we're, that's about to change for you right here. So um, this, is, this is Tim Buss, the ah. strength and conditioning coordinator and now quality assurance coach for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And uh, that's picture number one. We can't show picture number two. Um, but there's him with my Tony Amati hockey stick. He said, I found it, Demp. Um, here you go. It's on the way. So I just appreciated you sharing that story with everybody. And I just want to know your thoughts on that body for a strength and conditioning coach. I mean, you know, look, somewhere Mike Redman is smiling at the obliques, right? I mean, it's just, that's a body. That's, that's a body. Holy cow. 
I don't know that that people needed to see that, but I, you know, I love Bussy and um, God bless him. That that's that is really real. I remember that's one of those. I remember telling that story, and I guess in the end, this is you know part of the deal as a broadcaster, right? But I'm I'm telling that story, Dempy, and thinking as I'm telling that story, there are two conversations. There's the one that's coming out of my mouth, and there's the one. This could end up being bad. I could probably end up getting in trouble for this. This probably isn't, you know, when he goes and looks for the hockey stick and in my, I'm like, man, this, I, somebody might end up being unhappy at this turning out to be not that clean. Oh, well, we'll see. Ah, we'll just go with it. So yeah, that's what happens. Gosh. Turns out it, what it was man. very clean. He had a towel to make sure that he was very yeah. clean. Um, it, and, I, and I actually thought it was interesting because when I, when I was watching the story again and I was going over it. We were having dinner in New York, and you told me the rule of a broadcaster is you never start telling a story with two outs, unless you're Vin, unless you're Vince Scully. That's right. And you actually and you told that story with two outs, and as you were finishing the story, the strikeout happened. I think Wainwright struck out Baez, and and I'm like, Boob just had he just had a Vince Scully moment right there. Well, and the thing I told you in the, is that. Vin can do it because the baseball gods will just have the hitter foul pitches off until Vin finishes the story. We actually did the mic'd up during spring training, last spring training with Riz and Bryant, and Riz told his heckling Chipper Jones at Pro Player Stadium as a kid's story, him getting on first, and he told the whole thing with two outs. And at the beginning, I had said the same thing to him. No two-out stories, guys, all right? You're going to be part of this. No two. And he wrapped it up, and he made the grab at first to finish and, you know, and, and tied it all together. And I was like, well done. And Brian's heckling him going, two-out story, two-out story. And another guy, and you talk about two-out stories, and you, and you mentioned him earlier, and, you know, he's obviously as big of a legend in broadcasting um, especially in Chicago, Harry Carey, um, yeah. the chance to be in the same booth that he did. Do you, did you have any interactions with him, any moments with Harry Carey along you know, the, the end of his life and the beginning part of your career? I had one, and I think I told you this story before, but I, just, I think you, you, you may have misplaced it. And the people that I now work for are like, gosh, I really want him to stop telling this story. But I just, it, because it's you and I want to delight you and your audience, I have to tell the story. This is a true story. 1997, it's my first road game as a broadcaster. It's like 35 degrees. Alex Fernandez is pitching. He deals, by the way, that day. Not the point. The point is, it's freezing. I finish the pregame show. I have to use the facilities. I finish. I have to come back and do the lineups. I run to the press box men's room. You know the setup. Two urinals, one stall. Quickly finish washing my hands. There's nobody in there. In walks Harry Carey to the stall. Now I'm drying my hands. And now as I'm drying my hands from the stall, out loud, not to me, just out loud, I hear, I got so many clothes on, I can't find my... And I was like, I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta go tell everybody this. And I just, and that was it. And I ran and 
I went back and told Dan O'Brien and Joe Angel and Tommy Hutton and everybody that I could possibly tell. That is my only interaction, really, interpersonally ever with Harry Carey. And I swear to the Cubs and Marquee people, I'll stop telling that story. But that, that's true. That is true. He wasn't that, talking to me. No, he's just talking. He was and he's just if I so wasn't good at so anyway, yeah. Uh, well, and, I, and we talked about this, and, and I'm, I'm going to ask you right now on, on camera. Um, yeah. I have Harry Carey's glasses, not his prescription ones, because that's like trying to walk after having 12 beers. Not like Harry trying to walk after 12 beers, but us trying to walk. That's how thick they are. But I have his non-prescription actual glasses, and I would love it if you would wear them for a game. I, I am absolutely in on that. Doesn't have I to mean, be the I whole need game, to just a game. I absolutely now I also need we need to just gently put it out there because I do not want people to assume that I am anywhere in that league or caliber or you know what I'm saying so like but yes I I would I would be delighted as long as as the people are all right with it but that'd be amazing maybe maybe like for a seventh inning stretch or something where you're getting to have a little bit of fun that'd be a That'd be a good way because, yeah, Harry, definitely, you're definitely not in his league. Um, so uh, <laughs> uh, this year coming up, you're, you're a good friend, my good friend, everybody's good friend, and, and uh, second-year manager David Ross um, yep. leading a different ship, right? It's going to look different than what he had before. Um, right. how, do, how do you think he handles that? And, and um, you know, what do, you, what do you think the expectations are for him going forward? I never had any doubt. We worked in the booth together three years. You know, David's another guy that I met when I was with the Braves. I think 08 was when we met and, you know, got connected really through, probably really through my relationships with Brian McCann and, and Jeff Francoeur and got to know him there. And then as, you know, he moved around, but I knew he'd be good at this. I, I just, I never had any doubt that he would be somebody that would be a truth teller. He would be somebody that would be able to deliver an unpleasant message to guys that were formerly his teammates and are his friends. Also this, he's accountable. You go back, there's no point in picking, but like there were a couple of different things that happened last year with David where he came back and said to players and or said to the media, yeah, I was wrong about that. I just think that a manager being accountable and the ability to communicate stuff and what the expectation is, I think he's going to just keep getting more and more comfortable. Um, and whatever hand he's dealt personnel-wise, um, he will deal with it, and he'll, he'll com communicate to his players directly, and you'll know where you stand. Yeah, he's, he's done a tremendous job. I, I, I totally agree. Whatever tools he's given, um, whatever those players are, he's going to go out there and he's going to get the most out of them. And, and, uh, and, and really do a great job. And, and speaking of doing great jobs, the Chicago Cubs are lucky because they got a great one in you coming aboard to be the new play-by-play -play guy. Um, we're really, really lucky on the north side to, to have you and, and here at Off the Mound to have you stop by for a little while, catch up, tell some great stories, and, uh, and give us a little insight to who you are, Boog. So thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks, Dempy. It's great to see you. I can't wait to see you in person. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. I always have a great time catching up with Boog. Um, he is truly, truly, he's a riot. He's fun. Not afraid to poke a little fun at himself. I love the Harry Carey story, of course. 
So it's so great catching up with Boog. To hear more conversations like the one you just heard, please download and subscribe to the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And it's all presented by our good friends at Sloan. Thanks for listening. I'm Ryan Dempster. We'll talk to you later.